What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Today, we're going to be going over the injury report, the matchup for the Packers against the Rams, and what's going on with the Rams injury report as well, because it is actually for once, the Packers are going against a team with a longer injury report than their own. And there is a massive question around the Rams starting quarterback, Matthew Stafford. So we're going to dive into all of that, as well as take a look at the Rams, what's changed for them since last season. And also what are they good at, bad at, and in between so far in this season for the Rams. Without wasting any time, let's go right into that injury report for the Green Bay Packers. Only two players who are questionable. Rudy Ford with a calf injury and Quay Walker with a groin injury. Yeah, Quay is new. Apparently he came in yesterday. His groin was tight. It didn't feel right. And so they had him not practice. Rudy Ford still dealing with a calf injury that he suffered earlier this week. Both of those would be quite large losses for the defense going up against the Rams. Nonetheless, when asked about it today in this press conference, Matt LaFleur didn't exactly sound positive about either one of those individuals. Both of them could very well be game time decisions. As for the Rams, it is a longer list for one uh, Kobe Durant they're one of their starting corners he's questionable Rob Havenstein one of their offensive linemen they're starting right tackle questionable Latrell Murchison defensive tackle questionable Puka the all-world rookie wide receiver he's questionable and then yes starting quarterback Matthew Stafford with a thumb injury is questionable now Sean McVay did say that the feeling in his hand is getting better the grip is getting stronger but nonetheless, it's looking like Matthew Stafford's status could be a game-time decision, and that is obviously of huge consequence for this game. The Rams also do have a couple individuals who are out. One would be Ernest Jones, the linebacker, and actually their leading tackler. He's out. Hunter Long, the tight end, continues an IR stay, as does Kieran Williams. Uh, still on IR, their, their running back revelation who was featured heavily earlier in the season, still on IR. So the Packers could be going against a fairly reduced offense for the Rams. Williams still out. Stafford could be out. Cup is certainly back, but now Puka, his counterpart, is on the questionable list. If you dive into Rams content, there is some form of confidence that Nakua will still be playing. But nonetheless, he got himself a questionable tag. So what are the Rams doing this year? What is their record? They are three and five. And if you want to know how they got there, they've got wins against the Seahawks, the Colts, and the Cardinals. They've got losses against the 49ers, Bengals, Eagles, Steelers, and Cowboys. A tough row of competition for the Rams there, and they have faltered in those big games. Their most recent game was a loss to the Dallas Cowboys by the score of 43-20. to 20. And frankly, if you watch that game, you'd know that 43-20 to 20 doesn't even feel like it did it justice. That gap in that game, performance-wise, was even farther apart than just 23 points. As for the Rams coaching staff, of course, they are head coach Sean McVay, 63 and 43 in his career thus far. Their offensive coordinator is Baby LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, Matt's little brother, now their offensive coordinator, and their defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. In case you're wondering, Matt LaFleur did address earlier this week, he was asked, who are your parents going to be rooting for in this game? And he said, well, they'll, you know, they'll tow the family line, root for both brothers, but, uh, I live in Green Bay. I bought him a house, so 
yeah, we'll see. Now, as for who's been lost off of this Rams roster as opposed to last year, the Rams are in a relatively familiar spot to the Packers. This was a team very, very tight up against the cap. So they saw an exodus this last offseason of players who went, and that would include Taylor Rapp, Sean Robinson, Greg Gaines, Troy Hill. And then earlier this season, they traded away Cam Akers. Added, in terms of free agency additions, they made one. Coleman Shelton, their starting center, was a free agent addition. In terms of significant contributors that came out of the draft, they actually had quite a few, quite a few rookies gaining big playing time for the Rams so far. Round two, Steve Avia, their offensive guard. Round three, Kobe Turner, a regular starter for them on the defensive line. Another round three, Byron Young, an edge player who's actually second on the team in pressures and sacks. We're going to be talking about him a little bit later. And then, of course, round five, Puka Nakua, the wide receiver out of BYU, who is on pace currently to shatter some of the rookie wide receiver records that have stood for quite a while. So who are these Rams in terms of offense? Their passing per game is 245 yards per game. That's good for eighth in the NFL. Rushing per game, 109.5 yards per game. That's 17th in the NFL. And in a weird kind of way, they've actually gone up over their last three games, averaging closer to 130 yards per carry in the three games since Kieran Williams has been out. Daryl Henderson signing back onto the roster, becoming their feature back again over the last two weeks, has certainly aided in that, as well as combination with Royce Freeman and a couple others for this running back com by committee while Williams is out. In terms of scoring, they're at 21.9 points per game. That would be 14th in the NFL. So what's notable with the Rams' offense? And, you know, the thing is, like, how they're scoring is very, very predictable. If you use some rough rounding, they basically get one passing touchdown per game, one running touchdown per game. And it's not even the fact that like there's this like the averages are being skewed because Stafford had like four passing touchdowns earlier in the year. No, it truly is like if you go game by game and almost is one one every single game. Very, very curious thus far. And that's kind of the theme with this Rams team across the board. They are wonderfully average. Yes, they are three and five as their record dictates, but as is the case with quarterback Matthew Stafford, he has eight touchdowns, seven picks. A lot of numbers for this Rams team seemingly offset each other. For every bad number, there's a good one that goes with it, and the reverse as well, a good with a bad, and Matthew Stafford's kind of the perfect example of that. However, one area that they have been very proficient offensively would be in the play-action game. They don't call it often, only on Stafford's 16.8% of his dropbacks thus far. But thus far, Stafford is 30 of 48 for 10.9 yards per attempt. He's also not, has nine of his 19 big-time throws have occurred on play action. So they don't call it often, but nine of his big-time throws have come on only 17% of his dropback-styled plays. That's a significant number. They don't call play action often, but when they do, it's legit and they're good at it. Same with the deep ball. Only 11.2% of Stafford's dropbacks to this point have gone over 20 yards. But on those throws, he's 16 of 31 for 500 yards and two touchdowns while only having one turnover-worthy play graded by PFF. 
As for where that deep ball seems to be going, most of the time it's going to the deep left portion of the field, but there is a fair spread there. One more number to know about quarterback Matthew Stafford. They need, the Packers need to get after Matthew Stafford. With a clean pocket, he has a 70% completion rate thus far and 13 big-time throws while clean versus only three turnover-worthy plays. Now, I did talk quite a bit there about Matthew Stafford, right? And as I said, we don't even know if he's going to play. In fact, after not practicing at all this week, smart money is probably on the fact that he's not going to play. Most quarterbacks, when they don't practice all week, don't play. It's, it's true for most players, but it's especially true for quarterbacks. But here's the thing. The way that the Rams call the game probably won't vary wildly, even whether it's Stafford or Ripien or they go with some other quarterback. And if it's not Stafford, it's probably going to be Ripien. But still, you're led to believe with Sean McVay that their offensive scheme is going to be predominantly their offensive scheme. Maybe they switch to running the ball with Henderson more, but there again, they're just using backups. So that's really noteworthy with the Rams. As for the Packers' defensive side of things, Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry both reiterated this week that they are preparing like Matthew Stafford is going to play. And then if he doesn't play, great. You're still prepared for whatever the Rams are going to trot out. But they're preparing as though Matthew Stafford is going to play. So I figured number-wise, we might as well do the exact same thing. Defensively for the Los Angeles Rams, where are they at defensively? Well. In terms of passing per game, 218.5 yards per game allowed. That's 13th in the NFL. Rushing per game, 115.1 yards per game allowed. That's 20th in the NFL. Then in terms of scoring, 23 points per game, 21st in the NFL. What's notable about this defense? They are wonderfully average in every way. I dove into so many numbers. <laughs> they're, they're all just... They're just hovering in the middle, somewhere between like, I don't know, like the 10 to 20 ranking for almost every single metric. It's still notable that Aaron Donald's still playing at an incredibly high rate, 38 pressures, five sacks, an overall PFF grade of 89.8. Beyond that, as I mentioned earlier, there's rookie Byron Young from the edge. He's got 29 pressures to go along with four sacks, both second on the team. But outside of that, there's a whole lot of journeymen, a whole lot of youth. It's a very interesting defensive concoction that on the whole is playing competently for defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. But by no means are they a wonderfully overachieving group or an elite group to this point on the year. If the Packers are aiming to throw the ball, there are places that they can do so. Akello Weatherspoon, their top cornerback, He's tops by a mile. He's allowing only a 68.1 quarterback rating against him thus far this year. As for their two other regularly starting corners, that would be Kendrick and Durant. They're giving up 102.9 and 97.5 in terms of quarterback ratings against. Also out for this game, certainly noteworthy would happen to be Ernest Jones. Jones is their leading tackler by 19 tackles. He's got 55 on the year, 24 of which were stops. In terms of tackling, the Rams, again, kind of average in that department. Even Ernest Jones, their leading tackler, has a missed tackle percentage of about 10.3%. And there aren't tremendous outliers around that either. And in terms of other numbers for the Rams that you got to know, the Green Bay Packers and Los Angeles Rams are tied in terms of turnover margin. Negative 0.3 turnover per game for each team. 
in terms of sacks per game. They're actually worse than Green Bay. The Rams only get 1.9 sacks per game. That's 27th in the NFL. Penalties per game, way out. That's where the Rams are better. In fact, everyone is better than the Green Bay Packers in the penalty department because the Rams get 5.6 penalties called on them per game. That's seventh in the NFL. The Green Bay Packers, dead last. 7.4 penalties against them per game. If you're wondering where the Rams rank in terms of special teams, they would be 24th in the NFL with a PFF grade of 67.8 for their special teams unit. Green Bay, haha, slightly better than the Rams, sitting at 22nd in the NFL. So how exactly do the Green Bay Packers beat the Rams? The thing is, as I mentioned, schematically, it's probably much the same thing. But let's not pretend as though Ripien's the same quarterback as Matthew Stafford. So what's going to happen here is really going to be dictated a lot by the injury report for this game. Even if Stafford plays, though, he still is going to be limited by this thumb injury. He has had this injury once before in his career. He didn't practice that week. He came back, played in that week, and this was back when he was on the Lions. The Lions happened to lose 20 to nothing, I believe it was, that week. So even if it's Stafford, it's still going to be relatively diminished. But the thing is, throwing to the wide receivers he's got, including Tutu Atwell, their speedster who normally plays in the slot, yeah, they could still do some damage to you. So key number one to this game is do not let them pick you apart. If the zones called in this game are just like they were called last game against Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford will sit back in the pocket and pick you apart. As I mentioned, he's got 70% completion rate when he's kept clean. And given the Packers' defensive performance last week, they didn't get after Cousins that much. And he was able to execute against these wildly spaced out zones. And as we all know, Whatever your emotions regarding the trade are, Azul Douglas is no longer in Green Bay. That is a major loss for their secondary in the immediacy. So, one would expect Stafford or Ripien, whoever is playing quarterback, is going to be looking to hit Cup Nakua on a lot of intermediate routes that really pierce through the middle of the Packers zone, much like Cousins continually hit Addison last week. The Packers must tighten those zones. They have to. They also have to get after the quarterback. And it can't even just be pressures if you're going against Stafford. Yes, he's much better when he's kept clean, but he still can beat you if he can identify where the blitz is coming from. So you got to get after the quarterbacks and make things messy. Key number two for this game. Please, please, Matt LaFleur, call for help with whatever side Aaron Donald is on. I know the running joke this week out there is the the continual insistence by Stenovich, by Gutekunst, that Josh Myers is playing the best football of his career. Well, Stenovich yesterday did go into detail why the Packers organization feels the way that they do about Josh Myers. In spite of that, though, the running joke is Myers is going to be going against Donald this week. If he's playing the best football, we're going to see it. Probably not enough anyway. <laughs> that's the running theme, right? But the thing is, that's not really how they've been using Aaron Donald this year at all. They don't just line him up over the center. In fact, 233 of his 425 defensive snaps have come out over the tackle. Another 149 of those snaps in the B gap between the guard and tackle. 
They've only played him in the A gap or even between center and guard. 12 snaps so far this season. It's just not where Donald goes. Realistically, Josh Myers and company is going to have to deal with Kobe Turner a lot more than they are Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's going to be probably, if they use him like they have in every single game this year, it's going to be outside on the tackles. And given that they probably don't want to attack Zach Tom, given his ability in pass pro, you'd think Aaron Donald is going to be going up against the Packers left tackle a lot. Be that Yash, be that Walker. You got to believe that's where Donald's going to go. Now, in past years, the Packers have done a wonderful job against Aaron Donald, especially Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins has done a great job anytime lined up against Aaron Donald thus far in their respective careers. So if that's the side that he goes up on, great. But if they kick him outside of the tackle or lined up directly on the tackle, the Packers are going to a need to assign help no matter what side he's on. And that help needs to be a lot more than just a Luke Musgrave chip block that the Packers have loved calling this year that just haven't worked very often. Aaron Donald can absolutely wreck the pass game for the Packers this week if they allow him to do so. Just a matter of not allowing that. Key number three, what's the plan at safety? Jonathan Owens filling in last week for Darnell Savage. He really didn't play poorly. He, he really didn't. And realistically, you do want him out there in running downs. He's probably the second best tackler in your secondary after Rudy Ford. So you do want him out there. It's just coverage is not exactly his cup of tea. And now with Rudy Ford having a calf injury, if Ford is unable to go in this game, you probably got to start Owens anyway. And the idea of Owens being the help and coverage on Cooper or Nakua, it's it's nasty, folks. Like Owens' strength is not in coverage. But the problem is if Ford can't go too, you probably got to start Owens. And then who's going to fill in that other gap? Are the Packers really going to rely on Dallin Levitt playing defensive snaps or Zane Anderson? Both of them are there for special teams and special teams only. So then are they going to have to turn to Anthony Johnson Jr.? Now, if you followed this channel for any amount of time, especially back to the draft, you'd know that I do have great affection for Anthony Johnson Jr. He was one of my draft crushes, but by his own admission, he is still learning the safety position. Keep in mind, in college, he played corner every year except for his final year when they switched him to safety in order to help the defense. And at his locker today, he was asked about how the transition to safety is going, now doing it in the NFL. And he said there are still concepts that he is actively learning. There are some things that he's being told in the NFL right now that he's thinking back to, oh, that's what my college coach was talking about. I get it now. The light bulb is just beginning to click for this young man at this position. And to rely on him in this game, it could be painful. And that's, that's coming from someone who loves the play style of Anthony Johnson Jr. It's just understanding his limitations at this point in his career. By the way, if Quay Walker can't go in the middle as well, probably their best coverage linebacker, that's, that's a lot of inexperience and lack of coverage up the middle for the Green Bay Packers. And I have to believe Sean McVay is salivating at what he can scheme up across the middle. Number four. Matt LaFleur was quoted today about Aaron Jones saying that they are ready to cut him loose. Matt LaFleur, please actually do what you're saying. 
Lafleur went on to explain that the red contact jersey or non-contact jersey that Aaron Jones has worn all this week was actually part protection for himself, presumably so that Aaron Jones wouldn't seek out contact in practice or overexert himself. Also, of course, a warning to everyone else not to touch him as well. But Lafleur also said he's looked really good very agile, ready to go. And Lafleur said that they are ready to cut him loose. So then do it. Because the easy joke for Packer fans here is you say that, and then you give them six carries, and then you stand up at the podium on Sunday, and you say, we got to do a better job of getting Aaron Jones the ball. And that's on me. It starts with me. Yeah, Matt, we know this is a problem last year too. And it's still a problem. Now, up to this point in the year, you've had the ready-made excuse or rationale or justification, whatever side of the fence you fall on for what the word you should pick is. He's been nursing a hamstring injury, so you've been able to limit his carries, and it's been rational. Well, now with you saying things like, ready to cut him loose, you better give him the ball. And I don't care if it's out of the backfield. I don't care if he occasionally lines up at slot receiver like he's done in the past. They have to get the ball into their biggest playmaker's hands. Look, the whole plan for the offense this year was to run it through Aaron Jones. And I'm not talking just running. I'm just saying getting the ball in that man's hands. That was the plan. The Packers are supposed to have an ultra strong run game to help out with their young quarterback. They're supposed to have this, the, the, the engine of the offenses he's been referred to before by Matt LaFleur, Aaron Jones, the engine that makes it all go. And they haven't been able to do that to this point because of his injury. But if he's back, use him like he's back. This should be a 20-touch game for Jones, especially with the Rams missing their linebacker. The Rams' defense is not exemplary. So get the ball to your playmakers in space and let them get the ball 20 times. Look, frankly, my money logic dictates is on Stafford not playing on Sunday, right? That's just, it's logical. He hasn't practiced at all this week. So if the Green Bay Packers can't beat Brett Ripien or can't even beat a, a completely beat up Matthew Stafford, yikes, then it may not happen this year. And I don't even feel at this point, like that's an over-exaggeration. I think a lot of the claims, sure, they may like will themselves or luck themselves into a win or two. I don't think they're going to be a two-win team at the end of the day. But this is one game that they match up talent to talent, realistically still being superior to the Rams. That's not going to be the case for many more games on the schedule, given how this season has gone. So against Ripey and against a beat-up Stafford, you have to win this game. Aaron Jones needs a larger workload. You have to get after the quarterback. There are definite keys to the game. Pair that with the fact that Matt LaFleur has consistently performed well against one of his mentors in Sean McVay. That should bode well for the Packers. And as I said last week, I'm probably always going to pick the Packers. So here we are. I'm just, I'm not even sure if I can do that anymore if they can't pull out this one. So let's say Packers 22, Rams 16, and the Packers at least pick up another win in the win column. Join us on Sunday for a watch party. Claudia and I, she'll be here for the second half, but I'll be here the whole game, whole game, ready to talk Packers and Rams. No Packer fan should have to watch a game alone if they don't want to. So 
I'll be here for you on Sunday at noon Lambeau time. Thanks so much for joining me on Lombardi Time Brews. I hope you're having a great day. Go have a great weekend. And as always, go Pack Go.